The Chicago Blackhawks erase an early 2-0 deficit to hand the Golden Knights their first loss of the season. I'll go over how the Hawks were able to piece together this comeback, as well as my three stars and key takeaways, and also get into the latest updates on defenseman Alex Vlasic ahead of tonight's game against Arizona. All that and plenty more right here on Locked On Blackhawks. Your Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everyone? Welcome on in to another episode of Locked On Blackhawks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, thank you all for making the show your very first listen here to start off your week. I'm your host, Jack Bushman can go and give me a follow on X at Jack Bushman too, or you can check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talkin' Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And also just a quick reminder to please go and show some support. If you haven't done so already, go and smash that like button. Comment down below as to which player stood out the most to you in the Blackhawks OT win over Vegas. And of course, please go and subscribe to Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube as well. It won't cost you anything. It's literally 100% free, and it really does go a long way and helps me out tremendously. So please make sure to go do that real quick. And you can also go and turn on those push notifications to get notified when the episode's uploaded each and every day. And today's episode of Lockdown Blackhawks is brought to you by the Sleeper app, the go-to platform for daily fantasy sports. And right now you can use the promo code LOCKDOWNNHL in all caps to get up to an $100 match with your first deposit. Again, that's promo code SLEEPER in all, or promo code LOCKDOWNNHL in all caps with SLEEPER. All right, good afternoon, everyone, as always. Thank you all for joining me on another episode of Lockdown Blackhawks, your one-stop shop for all things Chicago Blackhawks. I hope everyone out there had themselves a lovely Halloween weekend. For those of you who indulge and for those of you who just elected to stay back home and kick back and relax, I certainly understand that as well and hope that treated you lovely over the holiday weekend, I guess you could call it that. And on Friday night to kickstart this weekend, folks, my oh my, what a comeback victory for the Chicago Blackhawks, showing their true guts and their character along the way. And after a really intense and battle-tested practice on Thursday at Fifth Third Arena, before heading out west to Las Vegas, uh, the Blackhawks were also called out a little bit by head coach Luke Richardson, following a 3-0 shutout loss to the Bruins last Tuesday. That's kind of what insinuated the Blackhawks having that really intense practice before taking on the Vegas Golden Knights. But it almost was all for naught because in the early going, the Blackhawks didn't show any signs of improvement. Vegas took a 2-0 lead in the first four minutes. Just a minute and a half in, they get an on-man rush going the other way and capitalize. Jason Dickinson wasn't able to get back in transition after Alex Vlasic kind of got caught pinching. And then uh, a Shea Theodore one-timer gets redirected by William Carlson. Bang, bang, boom. The Blackhawks found themselves in an early hole, and it really did kind of look like Men against boys out there in the first 10 minutes, the Blackhawks were not ready to go at all. But after that 10-minute TV timeout, something seemed to kind of flip or maybe just generate a spark underneath them. And they started to rattle together a couple of 
strong shifts in a row in the offensive zone. And then I think the Ryan Donato goal that got them on the board and cut the deficit in half really just allowed them to kind of take a deep breath, settle in. It felt like in the first 10 minutes, they were just in reaction mode. Like they were panicking out there a little bit. They weren't making plays to go and generate things on the other end. They were just trying to survive out there in the early going. But once they got that goal from Ryan Donato, great little play by Corey Perry to get that quick little pass off to Donato in the slot. He cuts the deficit in half. And I think that just kind of eased the Blackhawks back into the game and realized, okay, we're still right here. No worries. And then our baby boy, Connor Bedard, goes and absolutely houses his third goal of the season. It was off of his stick, on his stick, and off of his stick in a literal heartbeat. I mean, that release is absolutely breathtaking. Blew it past the glove of netminder Aiden Hill. And I got to give a shout out to Nick Felino for making that play happen as well. Using his uh, non-dominant hand to poke that puck over to Connor Bedard. That's what allowed him to get off that quality scoring opportunity in the Blackhawks. Just like that, managed to tie the game up 2-2 two to two after the opening 20 minutes, which, which kind of felt like a, a pretty big task in and alone of itself. And the second period was kind of the complete opposite of the first, which we have seen a couple of times this year after both teams found the back of the net twice in that first period. Neither scored there in the middle frame, I think. Both teams only combined for nine or 10 shots on goal, but that's kind of how the Blackhawks wanted. That's what they wanted to turn this game into, right? And that's kind of the style. I think that's going to better suit them throughout the course of the season where they slow things down, they muck it up, turn it into kind of a, a four checking and physical type of game, not so much skill involved or just limiting the amount of opportunities that Vegas had carrying the puck the other way with speed and kind of, having the opportunity to go and make something happen. The Blackhawks didn't give them a lot of open space or time with the puck on their stick. And that found them and that put themselves in the same exact situation that they were in back on Saturday, this two Saturdays ago now in their home opener in the first meeting against the Vegas Golden Knights tied up two to two after 40 minutes, they had done a good job of hanging in there and making the game competitive but as Luke Richardson said against uh, after that game against the Boston Bruins, he's ready for this team to take that next step this season and to be more than that. And maybe that's uh, a little easier said than done against, you know, some of the best teams in the NHL as the Blackhawks continue through this gauntlet of a schedule. But that's, as I mentioned on the show last week, that's what makes Luke, Luke Richardson different from us. It, maybe it's a little bit unfair, but someone's got to say it. Someone's got to kind of kickstart a flame under these guys. And that's what happened. And early on in the third period, it was crazy to watch the Blackhawks and their work ethic and how well they were hounding the puck and forechecking and just not giving the Golden Knights everything. And I put out on X, watching the Blackhawks in the early part of that third period and watching them in the first 10 minutes of the game, it looked like a completely different team, but that's what they can be when they have their work ethic and are winning those one-on-one -on -one battles like Luke Richardson said they need to be. And then they took their first lead of the game early on in the period. Taylor Radish with a beautiful shot for his second goal of the period. The Knights did go on to answer to tie this thing up once again, and it came down to the stretch there in regulation. The Blackhawks got called for a pair of penalties in the last six and a half minutes, Wyatt Kaiser, the first one for delay of game. Seth Jones, the second one for tripping. That put the Blackhawks to only four defensemen uh, on their bench with Jones in the penalty box with a minute and a half to go. The PK comes up huge and kills off both of them. This game winds up going into overtime. 
And then the Blackhawks finally get their first power play of the night in that OT period, which the, the officiating continues, I swear, to just be against the Blackhawks in the early going. They swallowed their whistles on a couple of calls that I thought for sure were going to lead to Chicago man advantages. Ryan Donato had one in particular where he was driving to the net through like three defenders. It was going to be a tall task, but he actually kind of almost created something out of nothing. But I thought he took a clear slash to the hands and a Knights defender I thought also could have been called for tripping there, but neither went called. Vegas had four man advantages in regulation. The Blackhawks didn't have any, but they come through on their only man advantage of the game in overtime. Connor Bedard, by the way, was the one to draw the penalty. And then how about Philip Kurashev? A nifty little curl and drag move to get around a defender and kind of change the angle of the shot. Fooled Aiden Hill a little bit and winds up beating him blocker side in the Blackhawks. Storm all the way back from that early 2-0 deficit to dish out the first loss of the season to the Vegas Golden Knights in their own arena. The perfect season is no more for the defending Stanley Cup champs. Such a gutsy and character type of win for the Chicago Blackhawks team. Man, that was as pumped as I've been so far this season. A super sweet victory for the Chicago Blackhawks. After, like I said, kind of getting called out by their head coach, they go and put together one of their best not full 60-minute efforts because the first 10 minutes were really bad, but the final 50-plus overtime, I mean, it was spectacular. And they really hadn't put together a game like that this season other than their win in Toronto. So really nice to see the Blackhawks get back to that level that they need to be at to be able to beat teams like this because anything less than that really just isn't going to cut it as they try to take these next steps, particularly early on here in the season. But as far as how this happened, how did the Blackhawks – managed to piece together this comeback against a really good Vegas Golden Knights team. Funny enough, all of my three keys to victory that I outlined on Friday afternoon show, I thought played a really huge part in the Blackhawks coming away with the win in this game. If you all remember my first key to victory for the Blackhawks, it was kind of a two-parter. It was for Bedard to simplify his game, which I thought he did at times, but also was still a little bit too passive, funny enough, which I'll dive into here in a minute in segment two. But the other part of that was for his line mates to help him out more because with Taylor Hall out, it just felt like Connor Bedard was having to do a whole lot on his own out there on the ice. He was always the one that was having to carry the mail and enter the offensive zone and try to make something happen. And as an 18-year-old undersized kid who's just trying to get the feel of the game still, yes, he's looked great, but I feel like that's still a little bit too much to ask out of him at this point. And the Blackhawks needed to help him out more. And Nick Foligno and Philip Kurashev, who got the opportunity to play with Bedard in this game, I thought they were both spectacular. Nick Foligno had his best game of the season in my, uh, in my mind. He was awesome. A huge primary assist to set up Connor Bedard's third goal of the season. And then Philip Kurashev, I thought built off of a solid season debut and wound up with the OT winner, of course, but also did a really good job of his playmaking and just assisting Bedard and being valuable out there, giving this kid some help. I thought that was a huge impact in the Blackhawks along this way. Obviously, two of those three guys uh, accounted for two of the four goals in this game for the Blackhawks. My second key to victory was to not force Peter Mrazek to have to make 35 to 40 saves because in three of his first four starts this season, he had faced at least 40 shots. The goaltending, yes, has been spectacular, still not a recipe for success long-term. And Peter Mrazek didn't really have to make all that many high-quality stops. He only ended up facing 21 shots in this game, which was a season low allowed by the Blackhawks. 
18 saves. They just didn't have to make their goaltender stand on their head or bail them out time and time again. Mrazek still made some clutch stops, but he didn't have to, you know, get absolutely slap shot regatted on like we have seen a lot of times so far this season. So I thought that was huge. And also in the final 10, excuse me, in the final uh, 40 minutes of regulation plus overtime, Vegas only racked up uh, 10 shots on goal. It was an incredible defensive display from the Blackhawks. That's the type of style. And I talked about mucking it up. That's kind of the uh, the way they need to play their games. Hopefully we can start seeing that more and more. So Peter Morazic and Arvid Soderbloom do not have to do as much. And then my uh, third key to the game, my third key to victory for the Blackhawks was to keep grinding in the second half. As I already mentioned, just that had been a problem. Yeah, they had been uh, doing a good job of hanging in games, but they hadn't gotten the final product. They started to unravel a little bit down the second half. And they played their best period of the game, I thought, in the third period. Even though they took a couple of dumb late penalties, they still didn't give Vegas all that much, in my opinion. So I thought the Blackhawks, their resiliency was so awesome in this game. And early on in that third period, too, I wanted to tell you all a little quick story. I was watching this game with a buddy of mine on Friday night, and he doesn't watch every Blackhawks game, but he watches them decently frequently, but... Early on in the third period, when the Blackhawks came out of the gate with a, a really good effort level, came out of the intermission with a really good effort level, I should say. My buddy was like, they are, they're bullying the Vegas Golden Knights out here. And I'm like, you know, you're right. That's the way that they were forechecking on them, not giving them any time and space. It, it was really impressive, man. And it was cool to see that that's what this Blackhawks team can be. That's what they can be. Do we expect that on a nightly basis? No, it's just what what it is at this point with the roster they have. But when they do play to their best of their abilities, they can beat anyone. And I'm going to say that on a, a, a lot of previews and during a lot of crossovers with other lockdown guests, this is a scrappy Blackhawks bunch. They're not the most talented team, and I still do think they're a bottom 10 team in the entire NHL, but they also have a lot of reasons to believe that they can beat anyone on a nightly basis. And that's kind of all we can really ask for in a season where the expectations Still shouldn't and aren't too shouldn't be and aren't too high, but it is going to give us plenty of hope down the road of what this team can become again when they add a little bit more talent and start spending some of that money that they're going to have these next couple of off seasons. All right, folks, there is my initial reaction to the Blackhawks upsetting the Vegas Golden Knights to hand them their first loss of the season. Coming up in just a moment, I will get into my three stars of the game and some of my other key takeaways that I had from T-Mobile Arena. But first, I need to talk to you all about Sleeper. The NHL season is finally here. Will the Vegas Golden Knights reign supreme once again? I don't know. Probably doesn't look good that they're losing to our Chicago Blackhawks. But I love hockey. I love the National Hockey League. And I know all of you do as well. And that's why I'm here to talk to you all about Sleeper. Sleeper is my go-to platform for daily fantasy sports and especially daily fantasy hockey because with sleeper you have the chance to win a hundred times your cash on daily fantasy sports and the nhl has never been more exciting and this the league's never been filled with more superstars such as Connor mcdavid leon dreisaitl nathan mckinnon kale mccarr we still got alex ovechkin and Sidney crosby around we obviously got our baby boy Connor bedard here in chicago and all you have to do is select the stats that uh sleeper provides for you such as Goals, assists, points, saves, and more, and pick the over and the under. And again, Sleeper offers you a hundred times cash payout. So start paying attention, make the right picks, and you could win real big. 
and entries can be made in under 30 seconds. And Sleeper is live right now in 28 plus states. And go and use the promo code listed down below, Lockdown NHL in all caps, and you'll get up to an $100 match on your first deposit with Sleeper. Again, that's promo code Lockdown NHL in all caps, and go and see Sleeper's terms of detail, terms of use for more details. All right, we're back here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day, getting into my three stars of the game and some of the other key takeaways from the lone Blackhawks game over the weekend. I first got to give a shout out and I had to give them my number one star of the game to the Blackhawks penalty kill because... Yes, there were a lot of good performances from a lot of different players, which I'll get to here in just a moment, but it was really the Blackhawks penalty kill late in the game that came through clutch, got this one into overtime, and really gave them the chance to go and steal it there in the extra frame. And after giving up three power play goals in a two-game stretch, the Blackhawks PK has now gone four for four in back-to-back games. Got to give shout-outs to guys like Reese Johnson, Seth Jones, Connor Murphy. I thought all of them came up with some huge timely blocks to kill off penalties. And also shout out to Kevin Korchinski and Wyatt Kaiser for uh, stepping up and having to get some more PK time than they usually do with Alex Vlasic going out and Seth Jones being in the box in the final couple of minutes of regulation. My second star of the game, though, is going to Nick Felino. As I said earlier, I thought Felino undoubtedly had his best game of the season out in Vegas. They needed to give Connor Bedard the proper help. They did just that. Felino wound up with a primary assist on the night. Two hits, two shots on goal in 20 minutes and 28 seconds of time on ice, which led all Blackhawks forwards. He was spectacular. Him and Bedard obviously have a pretty funny father-son-ish relationship off of the ice. Looks like they got some chemistry with one another, too, on the ice, and hopefully that's something that can continue because giving Connor Bedard some help is only going to allow him to continue to produce when he doesn't have to feel like he has all the weight on his shoulders and has to do it himself. So Nick Foligno gets my second star of the game. Third star, I'm going with Taylor Radish, another guy who I thought had his best game of the season as well. Picked up his second goal, a beautiful shot. We haven't really seen that shot on display all too often from Taylor Radish in the early going, but I do believe that's probably his best offensive attribute. He's a little bit of a sneaky, good goal scorer. I don't think he's you know, going to be a 30, 35 guy, but I do believe he can get into the, the mid, mid to upper 20s and can push that 30 thing. And uh, I do believe he could be maybe a second liner for this Blackhawks team if he continues to develop that shot. We saw it in this one in Vegas to give the Blackhawks uh, an early 3-2 lead in the third period. Didn't wind up being the game-winning goal, but uh, still a very paramount goal to the Blackhawks comeback win. Undoubtedly, uh, Radish also led all Blackhawks skaters with a 77.46 expected goals for percentage at five on five and was on the ice for 15 shot attempts for to just five against. And that second line, I know Lucas Reichel wound up off the stat sheet for the eighth game in a row to begin the season, but that second line did a lot of good things. I thought Radish and Reichel show some really good playmaking with one another. I expect them to stick together for at least this next game against the Arizona Coyotes uh, and maybe Andreas Athanasiu on the left wing. Personally, I think that would be a good spot for him. So those are my three stars from this one, but I do have a ton of other takeaways that I had to be sure to mention. Uh, Richardson talked after the game during his post-game presser and made sure to give a ton of props to both 
Wyatt Kaiser and Kevin Korchinski, who he said he thought by far had their best games of the season after Vlasic went down and left them with only five defensemen. Wyatt Kaiser picked up his first assist of the season in a season-high 21 minutes and 32 seconds of time on ice, much more time than he's received in any game this season. And Korchinski got up to 21 minutes and 17 seconds of time on ice. That's the second most that he's racked up this year. Had one block shot in that uh, in that amount of ice time. Also got to give a shout out to Jared Tenorti as well, because he actually ended up leading the hockey stat chart for the Blackhawks, which I did not see, but he was awesome as well. And he also played a, a ton more than he, he's gotten so far this season. Uh, 20 minutes and 20 seconds of time on ice for Tenorti was plus two with two blocks, two hits, and two shots on goal. How about the impact that Jared Tenorti made in this game? His most ice time before Friday night against Vegas was 14 minutes and 19 seconds. So six more minutes than what he had gotten as a high before that. He really stepped up and the Blackhawks absolutely needed him to. So shout out to Jared Tenorti, Kevin Korchinski, and Wyatt Kaiser for their performances. They were so important in helping the Blackhawks win. Ryan Donato also, I just keep being impressed by him. He keeps finding ways to impact games, and he now has four points through the first eight games this season, two goals and two assists. And also, he just keeps getting bumped around in the lineup. We've seen him start off with Connor Bedard and Taylor Hall on the top line, and then he went down and set her the fourth line with, Mackenzie Entwistle, uh, Boris Kachuk, and Reese Johnson. And then last game, he was up on the third line with Corey Perry and Tyler Johnson, and he looked capable of handling those duties as well. Whoever Luke Richardson has put him with, Ryan Donato has been doing his job out there. I've been thoroughly impressed by him. His second goal of the season in this one really, I thought, settled the Blackhawks into things. So it's been excellent to see Ryan Donato produce wherever he's been put in the lineup so far. And speaking of producing, Corey Perry is the leading scorer for the Chicago Blackhawks through the first eight games. I mean, if that isn't proof that we live in a simulation, I don't know what is, but he's been awesome. There's no other way to put it. Corey Perry has been dynamite, a beautiful primary assist to set up Ryan Donato on the opening goal. That now gives Perry two goals and four assists for six points through the first eight games. Yes, you heard me correctly. He is the Blackhawks leading scorer. Corey Perry, Chicago Blackhawks leading scorer. The fourth line as well, Reese Johnson, Mackenzie Whistle, Boris Kachuk. I kind of critiqued uh, Luke Richardson for going with this line um, when I did my preview show on Friday, but they wound up sticking it to me. I'll, I'll just be honest. They looked excellent. They didn't wind up on the stat sheet, but they made their presence fell in a really felt like all three guys were trying to prove to the coaching staff that they want to stick in the lineup. So that will be interesting to see whether that is the case when the Blackhawks take on the Coyotes in Arizona later this evening, but they had a really solid night out in Vegas. And then I got to talk about Connor Bedard a little bit more. I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't hear, uh, not only did he pick up his third goal of the season, but he also added three shots on goal, which was nice to see him be uh, again. At times I thought he was a little bit more assertive, uh, and in two of his previous three games coming into this one, he had failed to put a shot on that also generated two hits. And one of them was a, uh, huge reverse hit as he was getting run after. I forget exactly who it was, but wound up being a big reverse hit by Connor Bedard. But my biggest takeaway with Bedard from this one, 
I talked about how he needed to simplify his game and stop trying to do too much, which is going to take some time, right? He's still getting acclimated, still figuring things out here on the fly and also doing it against some of the best players in the entire NHL. But what was weird to me was it almost felt like he was too passive after um, getting his third goal of the season. It felt, felt like as the game continued to transpire, especially in overtime, he felt a little reluctant to call his own number, which I think on a power play unit that's been struggling, I'll never be mad about Connor Bedard firing the biscuits. So it was a little odd to me. And I think just finding the right mix of, you know, wanting to do things himself, calling his own shot, but also still being a playmaker, taking the open looks that are in front of him, setting up teammates to help develop other aspects of his game. These are all things that he's still processing and still figuring out, but it was just a little weird. It was kind of the first time this season where I thought he was a little reluctant to shoot the puck. So um, maybe that was just what he was seeing out there in that game. I, I doubt that's something that we see from Connor Bedard because he seems to want to be shooting from whenever he gets the puck inside the offensive zone. But that was kind of one weird takeaway that I saw from this game. It did wind up working out though. Philip Kershev was the one who called his own number and uh, got the OT winner for the Blackhawks on that man advantage. All right, coming up in just a moment here, Hawks fans, don't go anywhere because I still have to get into the latest updates that we have on defenseman Alex Vlasic, and I'll talk a little bit about tonight's matchup with the Arizona Coyotes. But first, I need to talk to you all about Jace Medical. There's a lot of uncertainty in the world today, and it's important to be prepared. And that's why Jace Medical has come up with the Jace case. The Jace case is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that treat the most common and deadly bacterial infections. And you can also go and customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your unique needs. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. Don't be caught unprepared. Go and get the Jace case today. You can go to jacemedical.com and use the promo code Locked on in all caps at checkout for a $20 discount on your order. Again, that's promo code locked on at jasemedical.com. All right, segment three, back here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. Again, please make sure to go and smash that like button, comment down below, and subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already. And also give go and give a follow to Lockdown Blackhawks on Instagram as well. I've been posting a lot of cool Blackhawks-related clips and prospect updates and cutting segments right here live from the show. I've been uploading them to the Lockdown Blackhawks Instagram account. I highly recommend you all go and check that out right now. Please do me a favor. Go and follow Lockdown Blackhawks on Instagram. All right, segment three. Outside of uh, falling behind 2 to nothing in the first four minutes and a dreadful start for the Blackhawks, not all that much went wrong for them the rest of the way other than defenseman Alex Vlasic taking a late hit from Vegas Golden Knights forward Brett Howden and Vlasic was really slow to get up took his time seemed a little bit foggy when he got back to his feet and head immediately back to the Hawks dressing room and did not return for the rest of the way another just bad hit by the way that the Blackhawks were on the receiving end of so far this season Cole Gutman took a bad hit uh, against John Beecher we saw Taylor Hall take a, a bad hit from Brandon Carlo as well. That was that Carlo one was kind of similar to what Alex Vlasic received uh, from Brett Howden. It wasn't to the head, but it was definitely late. The puck was already gone. Howden didn't need to hit him. 
And it looked like Vlasic was even a little bit caught off guard by the timing of the hit. And that's kind of what led to his head snapping back a little bit. And Luke Richardson was not happy. He was on the bench barking at the official saying, you can't do that. That's a late hit. That's a penalty. And to see none of those go called. And in one of those situations, the Blackhawks were the team that wound up shorthanded because Jason Dickinson had to go and answer the bell for one of his young guns, taking a bad hit into the boards. The officiating continues to be really frustrating. And I hate when that's like a preaching point, but it, it's, it's kind of been bad against the Blackhawks so far this season. And those are the hits we should be trying to eliminate from the game. So um, hopefully it won't force Alex Vlasic to miss a ton of time. But at this point right now, he is still in concussion protocol. The Blackhawks haven't moved him to injured reserve or anything along that sort, but it does look like he's going to at least miss tonight's game against the Arizona Coyotes because over the weekend, the Blackhawks recalled defenseman Isaac Phillips from the Rockford Ice Hogs of the AHL. Not really a surprising move. I think everyone expected Phillips to be the first defenseman called up from Rockford if something were to happen like this. Kind of the odd man out out of uh, training camp after Wyatt Kaiser really cemented his spot. Kevin Korchinski was obviously going to be around. Uh, Alex Vlasic looked ready to take that next step too. And it was kind of a shame and just a, a result of the Blackhawks not having an open spot with Jared Tenorti coming back on a one-year deal and not buying out Nikita Zaitsev in the offseason. But undoubtedly, it felt like Isaac Phillips was going to get his opportunity at some point this season. Probably didn't expect it to be this early, but has looked like he's been ready for the NHL level and did a lot of good things uh, in a couple of stints with the Blackhawks last year as well. So I think that was the no-brainer type of move for Kyle Davidson to make. I don't think there was really any other choice except maybe someone like Philip Ruse, who you wouldn't mind scratching at the NHL level um, because I don't think you just want to remove youngsters like Nolan Allen and uh, Ethan Del Mastro from Rockford too fast. You want to get them settled into those spots and you don't want to have them be going back and forth and not situated and not having a consistent role or consistent playing time. So it always felt like it was going to be Isaac Phillips to be the one getting the call up. Will be interesting though, knock on wood, hopefully this won't be a long-term absence for Alex Vlasic, but it would be interesting to see what happens if Isaac Phillips winds up playing well. Now, the decision is looming for Kevin Korchinski here, whether he's going to, well, he's going to burn the first year of his entry contract regardless, but it feels like the decision is going to come sometime soon as to whether he's going to stick around or not. Um, so maybe Phillips is here to stay if Korchinski goes, or but if Korchinski does stay, then it's going to turn into an interesting dynamic. If Isaac Phillips looks good, do you keep Wyatt Kaiser up? Do you send him down? What do you do with Tenorti or Zaitsev? That could be a whole interesting debate. But it already looks like it could be a little bit of an interesting debate here this evening against the Arizona Coyotes because the Blackhawks held a practice uh, in Arizona on Friday ahead of this matchup. The forward lines were basically the same as Friday night's win over Vegas. I didn't expect much to change, but I did like to see Andreas Athensiu getting back in the lineup. It looks like Boris Kachuk could potentially be the odd man out for tonight's matchup with the Yotes. We'll see if anything changes during uh, the morning skate. But on defense yesterday at practice, looked like Wyatt Kaiser was the odd man out with uh, Isaac Phillips skating along with Connor Murphy on the second defensive pairing while Kevin Korchinski remained with Seth Jones. That left Jared Tenorti and Nikita Zaitsev together on the third D pairing. And after Wyatt Kaiser 
stepped up in a big way and received props from head coach Luke Richardson. I, I quite honestly would be stunned if this winds up being the defensive pairings for the Blackhawks. And I, I just don't know what kind of message it would send to Wyatt Kaiser after a really strong performance to go and scratch him the very next night to play Jared Tenorti and Nikita Zaitsev together. Tenorti and Kaiser had success together after a dreadful game against Boston. It was awesome to see the way that they bounced back against the Golden Knights. I don't see how you could split them apart for tonight's game. So definitely another thing to keep an eye on. Is Wyatt Kaiser going to be the odd man out like the line suggested at practice yesterday? I quite honestly don't believe it. I don't see how you don't play him, but I also have kind of been a little confused with some of the lineup decisions this year. Not to say that I know better than Luke Richardson. I got a little critique with the lineups before the Knights game. That wound up uh, getting kind of kicked into the dust. So we'll see what happens there, but definitely a couple of interesting decisions to be made for tonight's matchup against Logan Cooley and the Arizona Coyotes. A very interesting prospect matchup. Connor Bedard and Logan Cooley face off at the NHL level for the first time. Um, should make for an intriguing storyline before the contest, and I'm sure we're going to be hearing about it from the broadcast team all throughout the game. All right, folks, I think that is going to wrap up today's episode of Locked On Blackhawks. As always, thank you all again for tuning into the show, and be sure to go and follow Locked On Blackhawks for free right now, wherever you may be listening to your podcast, and to go and subscribe to Locked On Blackhawks on YouTube, and that way you can get the latest episode as soon as it becomes available each and every day. As always, I'm your host, Jack Bushman. Go and give me a follow on X at Jack Bushman 2 or you can go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talkin' Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. So until tomorrow's episode, that's going to do it here for the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.